This is Basketball U. On Chicago's Home for Sports, ESPN 1000 and the ESPN Chicago app. What's up and welcome in. This is Basketball U. I'm Tyler Aki. You can follow the station on Twitter at ESPN1000. Follow myself at Tyler Aki underscore. What a weekend we had in college basketball. Five top 20 matchups. We also had the CBS Sports Classic between Ohio State and UNC, which was a fantastic game. So much to get to. If you're not already, be sure to subscribe to this show wherever you get your podcast, including on the ESPN Chicago app. And be sure to tell all of your College Hoops-loving friends as well. Going to get through a recap. Just a quick thought on each of the games, the big games that we saw on Saturday. Uh, because there were, I mean, I'm only going to get to like five or six of them. But there were like ten great games over the course of Saturday. And then I'll give you my, my new top 12, fresh top 12, uh, Tyler's top 12 that we do every single week here on Basketball U. But let's get to it. Let's start with the first game of the day, and that was Indiana and Kansas. Boy, this was a beatdown for Kansas. They took it to Indiana, 84-62 to 62 at the fog. It was funny. I was walking around that morning. I was just going a quick trip to Starbucks, and I'm walking back, and I'm walking by Kirkwood. It's an Indiana bar in uh, the Lincoln Park Lakeview area. And it's, uh, it was funny because it was really cold outside. It was probably like 20 degrees outside. Yet there's still a couple of Indiana fans sitting at the Kirkwood patio outside. No space heaters, nothing. Just sitting outside watching their Hoosiers at 11 a.m. take on the Kansas Jayhawks. You know, they, they say in 49 states it's just basketball. But in Indiana, it means a little bit more. And you could see that dedication there. Unfortunately, though, that dedication did not trickle on over to the actual court of play as Indiana really got the the brakes beaten off of them right from the get-go. Kansas jumps out to a really strong first 10 minutes. They're up on top 23 to 10 and just never look back after that. There was a stretch in the second half out of the gate where Indiana started to claw back. They got it to within single digits, but then it was just all about what Grady Dick could do from distance in this game. He was 4 of 5. He was the only Jayhawk to hit multiple threes in this game. His freshman season has been spectacular. We've actually seen two really, really spectacular freshman seasons. I'll get to the other one later on in the show from Brandon Miller and what he's doing at Alabama. But this is a Kansas team where... They've got the experience, right? But sometimes what really makes these teams pop and what gives them the national championship ceiling is the ability of a certain freshman to not be afraid of the moment. And that's what I see out of Grady Dick. He's never daunted by any sort of moment, this being one of them. You've got a top 20 team coming to your house. you got to protect your home floor against another iconic program, high-profile marquee matchup, and you go out and dominate them. And that was a lot of what Grady Dick did. Now, Kansas in particular did not play great in this game. I will say that. Uh, Daywan Harris was pretty good in this one, the the Kansas point guard. He has a a double-double of 10 points and 10 assists in this one. But outside of that, wasn't the best performance from Jalen Wilson. He goes 4 for 18 from the floor. Kevin McCullers struggled a little bit as well. Um, They just didn't get those type of offensive performances that you expected out of two of the leaders on this Kansas team. But boy, are are there some problems on the other side 
for Indiana. 23 turnovers in this game. That's a 30% turnover rate. That's awful. That's atrocious. This team, and the excuses are dwindling for Indiana. Now, I know Xavier Johnson got hurt in this game, and he's important, but by the time he got hurt, it was already all Kansas at that point in the game. They did get Jalen hood Shafino back for the Hoosiers in this one, but even, again, he's coming back off of an injury, tough to reacclimate himself, and he had the, the five turnovers in the game, so that's that's never going to help your team out in that regard. And listen, I, I think that this game was more of an indication of Indiana played poorly than Kansas played well, albeit Kansas got some good performances. But I think there's some questions about Indiana right now and their candidacy to win the Big Ten this year. They came in as the Big Ten preseason favorite. They'll still be in the mix, but that Big Ten, with the way that Indiana has played as of late, they've lost three of their last five now, including a, a blowout loss to both. I mean, they, they have the, all three losses have been by 15 or more points. Um, one against Rutgers, uh, the one against Arizona. Um, that actually was a 14-point loss, so I stand corrected there. 14 points or more. And then Kansas, 84 to, to 62. Um, there's some questions. And the Big Ten right now f- sort of feels like it's Purdue and everyone else. But even Purdue, I think, they've had some challenges as of late as well. This could be a more wide-open conference than previously anticipated. I think heading into the season, people thought this was going to be a two- or three-horse race. Now, all of a sudden, it looks way more wide-open. I mean, one of those two- or three-horses that you expected to be there was Illinois, and they're already out to an 0-2 start in the Big Ten. So it's going to be a fantastic Big Ten season, and I think we're actually going to see fewer Big Ten teams in the tournament this year because this may be more of a cannibalizing conference than we've seen in years past. Um, And we'll see. They they didn't win the Big Ten ACC Challenge this year either, so there may not be the resume there for as many of these Big Ten teams. It's going to be a fascinating watch the rest of the way. Uh, Next up, let's get to... I mentioned there was one freshman that was standing out, and that was Grady Dick, but the other one that you can't say anything... You can't go through the, the, the Saturday slate without saying something about is Brandon Miller. Albeit in a losing effort, Gonzaga gets a much-needed quality victory with a 100-90 victory over Alabama. The Crimson Tide entered the game as the fourth-ranked team in the nation. They've since bounced back to nine. Um, But Brandon Miller, even though he is not on the winning end of this thing, was unbelievable. 36 points, goes 6 of 11 from three, also has six rebounds in this game, too. He's going to be a top-five NBA pick. I mean, he's got the length to him. He can shoot from the outside. Nobody's having a better freshman campaign right now than Brandon Miller. Nobody's doing more for the draft stock right now than Brandon Miller. He is the real freaking deal. So much fun to watch. And and this is what's going to happen with Alabama, all right? Because you look at the players that are asked to contribute significantly to this Alabama team. The, honestly, the fact that they got to number four and, and were at pulling off quality victory after quality victory in the fashion that they were is pretty spectacular given the fact that they start three freshmen. Three freshmen are leading this team in minutes right now, and you don't see that. So there's going to be some hiccups, and if your hiccups are 100 to 90 losses to Gonzaga, so be it. I mean, that to me... When you look at the the body of work Alabama has this year, your losses are to Gonzaga and to UConn. 
and albeit both are by double digits, the Gonzaga game obviously a little bit closer than that. Um, they were they were back and forth for the majority of that game, but this is an Alabama team that I, I, they're the most fun watching college basketball because of the way that they can turn it on on teams, and we've seen it. Um, they've already beaten two number one teams this year. And the victory against Houston on the road was fantastic. I'm still very, very bullish on Alabama. On the other side here, Drew Timmy finally got some help. Timmy was fantastic. I'm sure everyone's all aware. 29 points, 10 rebounds, double-double there. Also had four assists in this one, too. Did turn the ball over six times, but when you have a usage rate as high as he does, you're going to see high turnover rates out of a guy like him. But he got some outside help in this one, finally. Anton Watson... One of the other bigs on this team was really good. He had 17 points in this one. All the other um, starting fives also contributed double digits. And then Malachi Smith gave him 12 points off the bench as well. So I've always kind of questioned, can Timmy be the true one of a championship team? Because he's had some really good sidekicks over the last couple of years. When you look at Andrew Nemhard, Chet Holmgren, uh, Corey Kispert, all those guys are are really, really strong players. Joel Ayayi was one of my favorites, too, a couple years ago on that team that went to the national championship. I thought he was unbelievably important. Rasir Bolton, a guy who was really important last year, a little bit of a slow start for him this year, but he, he's going to have to be one of those guys. Julian Strother, a, saw, or a junior, is going to have to be one of those guys. Nolan Hickman, this is going to have to be one of those Gonzaga teams that the, the sum of the parts has to be greater than than what we've seen in the past, and... I look at, I don't know who the true two is on this Gonzaga team quite yet because I think there's just a bunch of sort of threes on this team right now. But if those threes can each night trade off who can be the two and be a strong two, then I think you're looking at something with Gonzaga. But until then, um, I think they're a good team, but they're not a great team like we've seen in years past with Gonzaga basketball teams, but still a team that's certainly going to be in the fold, and you should see them go through the WCC with ease once again this season. Next up, let's get into the Houston and Virginia game from Saturday afternoon. This was a game that some people thought heading into it was going to be number one versus number two. Instead, it was number, uh, well, based on Ken Palm, number two versus number nine here. Um, this was a great, great game. Uh, 69-61, Houston takes it. And the thing for me is Houston is such a balanced team. Nobody too high, nobody too low. And everyone just sort of does their job well. And it felt like, I mentioned when I was getting into this matchup uh, last week when I gave my top 12 was, you look at Houston and you look at Virginia, the Virginia uh, teams of old, and Houston kind of is modeled after that now where they're a extremely strong, tough-nosed defensive team. That's where their bread is buttered. And you've got a couple of stars sprinkled in. It's got that 2019 Virginia feel to it where you've got some veterans, some great guards with Marcus Sasser and Jamal Shedd. They're kind of your Ty Jerome, Kyle guy. And then you've got this young budding star in Jarris Walker, who was great in this game. He led the way with 17 points, hit a couple of threes too. Listen, Marcus Sasser didn't even play that well in this game. 
Goes three of 10 from three, four for 14 from the field overall, only has 13 points out of a player of the year candidate, but you've got other guys that kind of pick it up. And when you play defense at the way, the way that Houston does, you're going to have a chance in every single game. Um, and when you rebound the basketball like Houston does, you're going to have a chance in every single game. And the one thing that's hurt Houston historically over the last couple of years when they've been in the Final Four mix is their free throws. They go 11 of 13 from the free throw line in this game. You take 85% to the bank every single night if you're the Houston Cougars. And I think that when you look at Houston, they're just starting to get back on track. Again, I, I started when I was going through my top 12 too, I started to look through the future schedules for some of these teams. And there's a lot of these teams that aren't going to have many opportunities for marquee wins the rest of the way. But Houston got one last one, it looks like, because now it's a couple of buy, it's a bye game against McNeese State uh, today, actually. And then after that, you start AAC play, and you don't have a lot of showcase games after that because your their next marquee win of the season may come in, in the NCAA tournament. But listen, if Houston can run the table or maybe uh, maybe go 17 and 1, 16 and 2 in the, the AAC, I see them being a one seed in the NCAA tournament and all roads I think could end up running through Houston literally because the final four could be there as well. And you could see a heavy Houston contingent there as for Virginia on the other side. They also lost last night to Miami in a tough game. They were down big early clawed back, got it and even took a lead at one point, but the hurricanes um, just a tough, tough effort out of them and retaliation and again Miami is one of those teams that is kind of built like Virginia they're going to play in a lot of low scoring games this year because they slow the tempo down defensively and Virginia just kind of got beat at their own game last night so tough one for uh, Virginia in back-to-back games but I don't have as many questions if anything they've given me more answers in the preseason than questions out of it. So the fact that they are as highly rated as they are, I think is a a good sign for what Virginia's done in the early going. This was the game of the night in my opinion. Arizona Tennessee. Boy, this was a physical physical game between these two teams. 75-70. Arizona wins. I headlined this game because at the time you had the number one offense going up against the number one defense in the country. Both of these teams kind of struggle in the other department. Arizona, the number one offense, but the number 65 defense in the country. Tennessee, the number one defense in the country, but the number 49 offense. And I think you just saw Arizona sort of lock down defensively and did enough because Arizona kind of reminds me of Purdue last year where they've got the best offense in the country. The defense isn't there. But you see some of the pieces that are there. Like last year, you saw the pieces. Zach Eady for Purdue was a great interior defender. He blocked a ton of shots. Jay Nivey was a super athletic guard that could play defense for you when you needed. You look at this um, this Arizona team, and I kind of see something similar here. Omar Balu is a fantastic defensive anchor down low. Great shot-blocking interior guy. Azulis Tabellas plays great defense. That's part of why these lineups work, is that when you've got a 7-footer and a 6'11 guy like Tabellas and Balu, usually it doesn't work because one of them can't play defense on the perimeter as well. Well, that's not the case with Tabellas. 
he can be out there on the perimeter and not be a liability. You also have Courtney Ramey, who's a guy that can give you a little bit of defense too. Um, I think that when you you look at this Arizona team, what's gonna what it's gonna come down to is can they improve defensively over the course of the year? And I think Tommy Lloyd's a good enough coach. Where I, I shouldn't say good enough because that's not doing the it justice. How good of a coach I think he is. I think he's one of the the five to seven best in college basketball right now. Um, but he's a a good coach, and that's what's going to bring the defense out of this team. And you're going to have a couple more chances to to pick up some marquee wins because you got a pair against UCLA when Pac-12 play begins. So overall, great, great win for for Arizona. I'm not discouraged by Tennessee. They're going to have nights like this where the offense doesn't get going. You look at the, the other Pac-12 team that they played this year, Colorado. The offense just wasn't there one some nights, and that's going to happen. You're going to face some upsets over the course of the season when you are as offensively challenged as Tennessee is. The defense is going to show up every night, but sometimes the offense is just going to be too far behind for you to actually win some games. You look at some of the shooting numbers. This team's outside the top 250 in a lot of metrics here. Um, effective field goal percentage. They turn the ball over a lot as well. Um, it's just it, it's there's too many things on that side of the ball that are worrisome right now. The one thing though is that they do move the ball well. Their assist to field goal ratio is the second highest in the country. So as long as they're moving the ball well, they're going to have a chance each night offensively. But it's going to be a lot of fun to watch Tennessee and SEC play going up against teams like Kentucky and Alabama and even teams like uh, Arkansas and, and Auburn, Mississippi State. There's going to be it's going to be a grind getting out of the, the SEC every single night. Um, two more games to quickly go through here. Let's start with, with UCLA and Kentucky. This was game one, or game two, rather, of the CBS Sports Classic, and UCLA takes it, 63-53. My, my one thing here, great win for UCLA, always good, especially at Madison Square Garden, a place that Kentucky usually draws pretty well. But... The concerns are sort of on the other side for me with Kentucky because Oscar Sheeway limited to eight points. He did have six rebounds in this game and three blocks, but the eight points for Sheeway, that's already three single-digit scoring games this season, and I know he's coming off of some injury stuff too, but he's already had three single-digit scoring games. Last year in his National Player of the Year season, he had four the entirety of the year. We're already at three, and it's not the new year yet. Um, and he's missed some games, too. So a little bit concerning with Shibwe again. I wasn't expecting him to go out and repeat, but I'd expect him to have a much better season to start the year so far. The other concern for me is this. Severe Wheeler and, and the turnovers, six turnovers in this game against UCLA. For a guy who's a fifth-year guy... I, I expected to see a little bit more out of Severe Wheeler. I really like the promise of his talent. I think he can patrol an offense, but he has struggled this season, and this team's not going to go very far. Also, C.J. Frederick, for a team that needs some shooting right now, they, they go 6 of 21 from, from 3 in this game. C.J. Frederick was a marksman when he was a, at, in the Big Ten at Iowa. I mean, this was a guy who, in 2021, shot 47% from 3 for the season. 47%. And he's doing it in the Big Ten. year before that, he shot 46%. This is a guy that should be going out there and getting you some three-pointers. He's shooting 36% this year, but he plays only six minutes. 
and doesn't register a single statistic. It, it was a trillion. For those familiar with the term trillion, that's when you, you got a box score where it's just a, a, a you log minutes, but you log no stats after that. So when you look across the box score, it's a trillion. So in this case, usually it's a, a stat reserved for walk-ons. And it's just a one trillion. But in, in the case of CJ Frederick, six minutes, he registered a six trillion. That's not a good thing. So um, they're going to need to get some production from him, especially shooting the ball from deep, um, because this is a Kentucky team that shoots the ball well from three, thirty-eight percent on the season. But certainly, if you can, if you can add CJ Frederick to that mix and, and get him some more attempts. That's certainly going to put yourself in a much better situation moving forward. Last game I want to get to, and that is North Carolina, the Tar Heels, the former number one team in the country, taking on a top 25 Ohio State team. And in overtime, UNC pulls it out 89-84. You know, UNC has flipped a switch for me to the point where I almost threw them into my top 12, despite the fact that they're not ranked by the AP right now. They're currently 19 in Ken Palm at the moment. But the thing that has turned the season around for North Carolina right now for me, remember, they were on that four-game losing streak. You lost uh, in the PK-85 to both Iowa State and Alabama. Then you lose in the Big Ten ACC to Indiana. Then you lose your ACC opener to Virginia Tech, a Virginia Tech team that's actually played pretty well so far. So you lose to four solid quality opponents, but you're UNC. You're the preseason number one. You shouldn't have four-game losing streaks ever. You shouldn't have three-game losing streaks ever. You should barely even have two-game losing streaks if you're the number one team in the country. But here they are, and they've pulled off three straight wins. And the, here's the recipe for why they've pulled off three straight wins, is that their assist rate over the last three games has been 55% or better. This was a team that was stagnant with the basketball. It was just kind of chucking taking turns. It reminded me of some of the old Milwaukee Bucks teams that had Monta Ellis and, and Brandon Jennings, and they just took turns coming down the floor, chucking up a shot. That has not been the case the last three games for UNC. It was during that four-game losing streak, but the last three games, they're sharing the basketball way better. In this game in particular, they had an assist rate of 63%, and the most important player on this team is Caleb Love. I know that Armando Baycott gets a lot of the headlines. He had 28 points in this game. He was awesome. Pete Nance has been a good transfer, albeit he struggled in this game. Um, R.J. Davis, veteran guard, he had 21 points in this game. Caleb Love had 22. Wasn't great shooting the ball from three. He still had a little bit of a chuckery to him, four of 13 from three, but he had seven assists and just two turnovers in this game. Caleb Love, if he's facilitating at that rate, along with R.J. Davis, four assists. I mean, just go up and down the line here. You had seven different players record an assist in this game. That's the secret to success for, for North Carolina. It, when they're sharing the basketball, they are a completely different team, and they look more like the number one team in the country than they do the team that's sitting outside the top 25 at the current moment. They're going to get back into the top 25 in the next AP poll as long as they hold serve this week. Um, they play Michigan tonight in the Jumpman Invitational, so... I think as long as they, they take care of business against uh, Michigan tonight, you will see them back in the top 25. And this is a, a North Carolina team that I think is playing much better basketball because they know what they're doing with the basketball. They know it's meant to be shared. And that is leading to a lot more success with this North Carolina team. All right. 
That was a weekend recap. It was a hell of a weekend, a lot of fun. And we've got conference play upon us here. A couple of conference games last night. You're going to have some this weekend as well. And then we get really into the thick of things once the new year flips. Cannot wait for it here. But let's get into my top 12, my new top 12. So this is what we like to call Tyler's top 12. 12 best teams in college basketball, as I see at the current moment of recording. So sometimes I'm going to be releasing them on Monday, Tuesday. In the case of today, it's Wednesday. And you may be penalized accordingly, as Virginia is a team that has taken a bump in this thing. But we'll go, we'll count them down 12 to 1. I'll also tell you where they were in the rankings from a week ago. Let's go and start with Arkansas. They were unranked, but haven't really done a whole lot. But they're just kind of getting a bump up by default here. They're 10-1 on the season. Uh, they haven't played anything spectacular outside of Maui. They did beat Oklahoma on a neutral site. But they've just kind of taken care of business. And sometimes that's all you can ask out of a team um, who hasn't had a lot of challenges. But those challenges are going to be coming inside SEC play. So, Arkansas, you are my number 12 team. On to number 11. That is where we find the UCLA Bruins. They were not ranked in the the top 12 a week ago. Right now sitting at number four in Ken Palm, but they're on a seven-game win streak right now. That is UCLA, and four of those seven have actually been against power opponents. You had a 14-point victory against Stanford, nine-point victory against Oregon, blew the doors off of Maryland by 27 points, and then a 10-point win against Kentucky, which we highlighted a little bit earlier. Their only losses this year have come against Illinois and Baylor at the main event out in Vegas, but since then, they have righted the ship um, it's going to be a fun race between them and Arizona to claim the Pac-12 this season. So looking forward to that. But UCLA should be able to do some damage. They don't really face anyone good until the 21st of January against Arizona. So I'm I'm thinking this could be a UCLA team that that is going to continue this winning streak for quite some time here. And they're just playing steady, good basketball right now. Very balanced basketball, too. According to Ken Palm, the fourth-ranked offense and the 12th-ranked defense. So that is final four material right there. Usually you need to be inside the top 20, 15 of both to, to make a good final four run. All right, on to number 10. I'm giving the bump to Gonzaga. They were also not rated in my top 12 a week ago but when you go out and beat um go out and beat Alabama like they did especially in a a road atmosphere as well 100 to 90 the offense is clicking it's looking like some of those old teams with Gonzaga when you've got the ability to score 100 points in a game and just take a look at their losses this year their losses are to Texas Purdue and Baylor all really good teams um Two of them are blowouts, and then the one to Baylor is just a one-point loss that Joe almost had a hold of. Um, but they, this is, a, again, Gonzaga. They go out and challenge themselves. They lost on the road at Texas and then neutral sites against Purdue and Baylor. Not as concerned about Gonzaga, but again, they still have to show me some stuff because I need to see who that number two is on Gonzaga. I don't think there's an established number two within that Bulldog roster right now. But hey, it doesn't even have to be one person. It can be a rotating cast night to night. I just need to see it with some consistency now moving forward. On to number nine, the team that took the biggest hit because of their loss to Miami and then, of course, losing to Houston. 
That is the Virginia Cavaliers. They bump back six spots. That's what happens when you lose twice in one week. You're going to take a hit. Luckily for them, though, they were high enough to still remain inside the top 12. So they dropped from number three to number nine. Um, in the latest top 12. Number eight, let's go to the Texas Longhorns. They're currently my eighth ranked team. They're sixth in Ken Palm, eight in the AP right now. The the Chris Beard cloud is still looming over this team, but they have taken care of business in their two games without Coach Beard. They beat Rice, and then they beat Stanford in a home matchup, um, in an off-campus uh, home matchup, 72-62. Um, so, Again, I just, I'm just kind of still in show-me mode with, with Texas right now. What is this team going to look like without Chris Beard? It's a kind of a soft landing into the, the Big 12, but eventually you're going to see the, the Kansases and the, the West Virginias and the TCUs of the world. So um, I, I, I'm intrigued by what Texas is going to be because one of the great X factors for them was Chris Beard, but him with the indefinite suspension now with the uh, domestic allegations, that that to me is going to be a situation to watch and monitor, see if he's back on the sidelines or not. On to number seven, and we're going to go with the Tennessee Volunteers. Tennessee right now, again, I'm not going to punish you heavily when you lose to a team like Arizona who's one of my biggest risers. We'll get to them in just a little bit. They drop one spot. Again, they played a tough game, a physical, chippy game. Usually in a physical and chippy game, I would have expected Tennessee to come out on top, but that was certainly not the case in this one. They're going to have to, though, find some of that offense, especially inside of SEC play when you go up against some really, really good offenses, like the one that is sitting at number six, and that is Alabama. And the Crimson Tide, they've dropped two spots. They Again, I'm not going to punish heavily and dock you from the top 12 when you lose to Gonzaga. They also rebounded with a 20-point win against Jackson State, a Jackson State team coached by Mo Williams, uh, who you probably remember. But Jackson State, not a good team, 1-11 so far this season. Um, but, I, I, again, I love the prospects of Alabama. They're figuring things out with freshmen this quickly, and I think that – you know, the coaches always say, oh, there's the point where the freshmen become sophomores. We may see these freshmen become sophomores before the middle of January. And if that's the case, you're in really good hands. Usually that t- turning point is mid-February, early March. Um, but we're at the point now with with Alabama where that could be a lot earlier. The defense does have to get a little bit better, but they play a style of basketball that I think – Let's them get away with some things defensively because of all the the three point shots. I mean, this is the team that their three point uh, their three point rate in terms of attempts is the one of the highest in college basketball, twenty second. Meanwhile, they force teams into a lot more twos. They're top ten in not allowing three point attempts this season. So, um, I'm really bullish on them. And the other thing too is, in terms of Brandon Miller. Their freshman, who I talked a little bit about earlier, he had the 36 points against Gonzaga. He's in the perfect system, in my opinion, to, of anyone in college basketball that wants to get to the NBA because he's going to have the liberty to shoot threes night after night after night. Um, he, he, he had the 36 points against Gonzaga. He had 24 the game before against Memphis on four of eight shooting from three. He's got some... He's going to have some high point totals this year. I mean, you just look at the 20-point games. He's already got a 28, a 24, a 20, 24, and a 36 this season. He's going to lead all freshmen in scoring this year, no doubt about it in my mind. But I think that 
this team, I'm still really high on. I think they've got a Final Four ceiling. But they also, with the way that they play, have the ability to to lose in the first round, too, in a 2-15 or a 3-14 matchup. But I I, I still am a big fan of this Alabama team, and I'm a big believer in Brandon Miller, Nate Oates, that entire crew. On to number five, a two-spot bump for the Kansas Jayhawks. You know, I said they didn't play great against Indiana. It's tough to not play great in a 22-point victory, but I think Bill Self would admit as much. You know, Kansas is really putting it together now. Their last three games have all been against power opponents, all right? Seton Hall, Missouri, Indiana. And they have won those three games by an average margin of 25.3 points. They are blowing teams out. They killed Missouri. They killed Seton Hall, and they killed Indiana. Two of those games at home, one on the road against Missouri. Um, And then you got Harvard as your little tune-up leading into Big 12 play. I think that this Kansas team, the way that they're playing now, they've got the inside track on the Big 12. They do, especially with all the questions looming around, um, around Texas right now. Baylor has been good, but a couple of trip-ups for them in the early going. The only loss Kansas has right now is in the battle for Atlanta's championship against Tennessee. So I think that this Kansas team is going to be in a really good spot heading into Big 12 play, and we could see another banner for in Lawrence for another Big 12 championship. Number four, they're my biggest jumper of the week, and that is the Arizona Wildcats taking down Tennessee. Again, I, I mentioned, I think one of the things that kind of create your identity in college basketball is your ability to win outside of identity. I didn't think that if you... If you had showed me just clips of the chippiness between the two teams, Arizona and Tennessee, I would have guessed that Tennessee won. But when you can win out of character, like Arizona did against Tennessee, says a lot to me. They passed the biggest test of the season so far for them. They hadn't had any major challenges. I mean, they did go and win Maui, um, but the Maui field looking a little bit weaker than it previously was anticipated to be. Um, they go out and they they killed Indiana too, but this was their biggest test of the season, and they passed it with flying colors. So Arizona, my biggest jumper in the the top twelve, they go up to up four spots to number four. Another team that took a leap was the Houston Cougars. You know, if they don't blow a, a fifteen point lead at home to Alabama, they are head and shoulders my number one team right now. But the win against Virginia gives them the bump up two spots. They are my number three team in the top 12. Top two, same two as last week. UConn at number two, Purdue at number one. I know Purdue has had some close calls this week against Nebraska and Davidson, but you're comparing two undefeated teams here, right? 11-0 Purdue, 13-0 UConn. And what I look at here is UConn, and their strength of schedule. Like, let's compile the three best wins for each of these two teams, right? When you're comparing undefeated teams, I want to see the three best wins that you have. Purdue, neutral site victories against Gonzaga, Duke, and West Virginia. UConn's three best, Alabama and Iowa State on a neutral floor, and then Oklahoma State at home. Those two resumes don't even slightly compare to each other. So that is why Purdue is my number one team right now. When you look at the strength of schedule, just taking the top 25 off of Ken Palm here, UConn has the fifth easiest 
strength of schedule of the top 25 teams in Ken Palm. And the other thing, too, is with the way that the Big East is looking this year, Creighton not nearly as good as we thought they might be this year. Um, Villanova is not the Villanova teams of old. They may not have another chance for a signature victory. I, they're still going to have a fantastic season in my eyes, but they may not have a chance for one of those signature wins. It's, it may feel like um, some of those Big East runs that Villanova had where there wasn't a lot of great competition. Sure, you get tripped up one night because it's tough in the Big East every single night. And I do think UConn did pass a, a significant test. It's never easy to go into Hinkle Fieldhouse and win, let alone win by 22 points. That was impressive to me, don't get me wrong, but the overall body of work when you're looking at the best wins, to me, not even close. I have the Purdue Boilermakers still as my number one team in the country, and they're going to have their challenges within the confines of the Big Ten the rest of the way, a Big Ten that's really bunched up like it usually is. So going to be a good race. And that is my top 12. Just to run it back for you here, Purdue, UConn, Houston, Arizona, Kansas, Alabama, Tennessee, Texas, Virginia, Gonzaga, UCLA, and Arkansas. I also noticed this too. Eight different conferences are represented within the confines of my top 12. You got one Big Ten, one Big East, one AAC, one ACC, one WCC, two Pac-12s, two Big 12s, and three SECs to build out my top 12 teams in college basketball right now. So we will give you that every single week here on Basketball U. Thanks so much for listening. We will be back next week giving you a fresh top 12 and also recapping all the great stuff that went down in college basketball over the course of this week. Everyone have a safe, happy, merry Christmas and happy holidays. And we will talk to you guys next week.